Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. I'm happy to welcome Chigon Roshi to give today's Sunday talk. He has been spending a few days at Daibosatsu Zendo, so we will now go to the DBZ Dharma Hall, and he will lead our discussion afterwards. Good morning. As you can see, those who are with us on Zoom, there's a difference between the virtual world and the physical world. It actually takes some time to get up from one seat to revive one's means of locomotion called the legs once they fall asleep and to make one's way up here. This is how it is. So today here at Ibosas Zendo, it's a wonderful day. And we have come together here, some of us, with a group of other people for the first time since March 2020. Not only Sign and I, but also others who arrived here for the first time. It is quite something. And to come to this place, which is a place of Dharma teaching. It is a privilege for all of us who are here. We have been sitting here. We have been working outside and inside and receiving Teso all around the clock. The birds teaching us about the Dharma. The coyotes at night chanting the dedications. And the barred owls sending out wake up calls. Don't be asleep. Be here. Be alert. And countless little creatures with wings and some kind of blood-sucking instrument reminding us what bodily existence looks like. All of this is wonderful teaching without the need of words, without any kind of concepts that we need to know to experience it. Of course, there are birds in the city. There are birds everywhere. Insects, most certainly. These 
these teachings are not just available to us here in this physical location, but these teachings are available in the world, wherever we may be. But we need to be able to hear them with our ears, with our bodies, with our minds, and our hearts. So here we are, together again. And this talk will be like the bubbles from the bottom of each lake that have just risen naturally. Manas, contents of mind, contents of thought, contents of heart, just bubbling up. One of the items I would like to reflect about this morning is our human nature. Especially at this time, when there is so much change or apparent change again. But we have to learn to come back and rekindle our ability to be in accord with what is in what we call the world. And then, of course, we all know from our own lives, human nature includes the experience of anxiety and also difficulty that we experience with the activity of change. Even experienced practitioners who have been doing this kind of practice for many decades are human and partake in all the human traits that each of us represents. And one of those traits is the inertia. I will come back to that. So to change doesn't not come easily. And this is kind of a practice, and many other practices that are similar to this, have a different approach, but come to the same core. But since I'm sitting in the seat, I can speak for this kind of practice. And even then, I can only speak for the practice that this human being sitting here has gone through. So this is kind of a practice that has allowed me to become more in accord with the Dharma, more in accord with the Tao, if you want to say, the way suchness or the ever-changing this. We say change does not come easily. Yet the very activity of change is what keeps us alive. Anybody even breathing lately? All of us, all of the time. In fact, it's the first thing we started doing when we were born. And most likely, it's the last thing we give up before we disappear. Breath. 
We are good at it. Good enough to be as old as we are. But does it mean we have experienced what it is that stands behind this activity that makes us afraid? The very activity of change, the very activity of the Dharma. That's what we've been investigating here. Buddhism teaches us that active attachment or clinging is a hindrance. And when we speak of clinging, it is the clinging to ideas, beliefs, even ideals. So no matter how refined, how benevolent or lofty these ideas and ideals might be, once they're solidified, reified, they become a thing. And when you have a thing in front of you and you want to move, it has to become an obstacle. Hindrances can be obstacles that we can pass over. Hindrances can be weight that we bear with us. Sometimes the weight of what we hold on to might be a weight that is created by an emotional, emotional nature. And that can weigh quite heavily. Other ways that we might bear and carry with us, like self-assurance, or that's a preservation of familiar patterns we have engaged in, and which we return to over and over, become more and more obvious when we start entering into a practice like this. And in this very formal practice that we follow here, a lot of our forms and the schedules, essentially, are geared towards letting go of such quiet patterns, such quiet assumptions, such quiet beliefs, and to just open up the space in our hearts and minds for fresh experiences. Zazen is the sustainable food of the Zen practitioner. Not only is seated, but in action and in movement. Zazen, so much as the posture seems limited, but the approach of existence of a being person who fully manifests the activity of Zazen. In the 24 hours of the day, it is what we aspire to. So through this practice of Zazen, we learn to see into the nature of Dharma, what we call Dharma, but which is the activity of change, you can call it the activity of time, the activity of nature, or if you want to call it the activity of the divine, any of those words will do. 
uh, penetrating into this core of this activity of change will teach us how human experience functions. And suddenly everything begins to reveal relationship. Relationship with ourselves, relationship with those attachments, with the self-image, with an identity, with the wishes to get away from the parents, to change one's identity, and all of that. Everything relationship. Suddenly we emerge and see ourselves and discover ourselves as the creators of the world we live in. It sounds powerful, and it is. But it also comes with a lot of responsibility. First of all, we are responsible for ourselves. And we are responsible for the relationships that we have and that we realize in this world. This morning, and every morning in the morning meeting, we read from Banke Zenji from the book, and by this time, it is about the poems of Banke. This morning, we heard a portion of the Honshin no Uta, the song of original mind, which was composed in 1850, uh, 1653. And we heard this, only original mind exists in the past and in the future too. Instead of holding on to things in your mind, let them go. When we hear things like that, descriptions like that, letting go sounds often like we have to be detached from something. And detachment actually is a word that we hear sometimes even in this practice. We have to realize the difference between detachment and non-attachment because if we are detached, still, this is one kind of relationship. But letting go is quite different than being detached. Still in a relationship. So in our Zazen, we refine our awareness of those relationships. Of course, it is difficult to go and go to the places in our lives and our minds where we get to that object, to that so-called hindrance that manifests as a big door that says, do not enter here. 
Now, if we just follow the sign and turn around, we're missing the best part of it. So our relationship becomes with how do we open this door and how do we go safely into that where everything we know, even our body might tell us, stay away, stay away, danger, danger. So we get really close to our own mind's functioning. And Banke tells us a little more, revealing how this actually works. This is really fantastic, you know. I have a clock here. And time has stopped. I was looking at it and thinking, oh, you're already down three, uh, a third of the page. And it's only seven minutes. But then another third later, I discovered time has stopped. also shows how the mind works. But here's what Banke says. When you don't attach to things, the floating world will cease to be. Nothing is left. Nothing at all. That's what living Tathagata means. Having created the demon mind yourself when it torments you mercilessly. You, do, you are to blame and no one else. When you do wrong, your mind is the demon. There is no hell to be found outside. Experience and judgments, color and paint, the world in which we dwell. That is what Banke is telling us. He says, abominating hell, longing for heaven. You make yourself suffer in a joyful world. You think that good means hating what is bad. What is bad is the hating mind itself. Good, you say, means doing good. Bad indeed, the mind that says so. We just heard this this morning. How fitting. So back to relationship and to attachment. Attachment is relationship that comes to a rest like this clock. This clock is attached to a specific idea of time. And 
Now it started ticking again. So I just helped this clock liberate itself from the idea that if I stop, I will be right twice a day. And that's an idea too. So attachment is relationship that comes to some kind of arrest. But relationship means we have to make contact and we have to hold at times. Hold to become one in action and in manifestation of this oneness, of the not two-ness. If it's hot and I pick up this fan, I have to hold it. I have to hold it. And this relationship and this action is oneness and one action that is necessary. But if I decide to not let go of this fan ever again, it becomes troublesome. Especially if I pick something up with my other hand. I could not even wipe myself in the bathroom anymore. So these are the hindrances of attachment. Letting go helps us to bring relationship to completion. A good cook is one with the knife. No room for concepts, for self. I, the cook, am cutting. No, none of that. As soon as that comes, shh, ah, the two-ness becomes apparent. The flesh is cut. I saw some bandages around. Again, it happens to all of us because it's part of human nature. We cannot always be one. My ordination teacher, Joshu Roshi, used to say, when two people love each other so much and they hug each other really, really, really intensely, no matter how much they love each other, at some point, nature will call and one of them will have to go to the bathroom. Which means we cannot stay together all the time. We have to let go and move on and return. Letting go and departing is the completion of relationship. And it's the only way to allow new relationship to happen. Receiving and giving in relationship is exactly how we become that not to. In Zen practice, we address this and we put a specific spin on it. We put a specific topic on it, that trueness. We call it the great matter of birth and death. And we address it in 
this practice with our full being through sitting and through practice we become truly intimate with what I said before, our nature tell us, tells us to avoid, to not go to, which is discomfort, dying or death itself, anything that we fear, we address here. And so over time, our innate fear of death and fear of dying and fear of suffering slowly transforms into something different. Deep respect and deep intimacy with a friend that we call the activity of Dharma. That constant change. Hakuin says in the Zazen Wasan that we read here at Daibusatsu Zendo in the morning currently, Itsuka shoji o hanaru beki. When will we be able to be free from birth and If we think that we can be free from birth and death, you know what will happen to us? We will be reborn 500 times as a fox. But arriving at the freedom within birth and death, not ignoring birth and death, not ignoring duality, but liberating ourselves from an enslavement to a two-dimensional life, a two-dimensional world of good and evil of plus and minus, of birth and death. That is the taste of liberation that the Buddha spoke about. So I spoke of inertia earlier. Inertia only exists in that world of time and space and matter. But since we are beings in a world where there is time, where there is space, and where there is matter, we have to deal with this inertia. And for that inertia to be overcome, the teachings of the Buddha teach us about a forward motion a forward motion that we initiate consciously through our aspiration and through a great bow, 
a great vow to extend our understanding and our heart beyond that limited two-dimensional flat-faced world, him and Joe. And we call it bodhicitta. Bodhicitta. It helps us to turn this fear and anxiety into compassion and respect. And especially now, as we are getting into a phase in society where from isolation we emerge and go back into the world, a lot of fear, anxiety, and judgment is prevalent. So when we meet other human beings who might not want to get vaccinated, let's not call them stupid. Let's not vilify them. But let's be respectful of where they are now. Let's look at it not from the point of view of somebody in a better place who is able to judge other people's deficiencies. But let's get into that seat of Bodhicitta and say, how can I look at this situation from the point of view of creating the conditions for further development? of completion of relationship, not of sizing up. If we do that, the only relationship we have is with our, with our own very short measuring stick that we created, on which we put the notches ourselves and to which we probably don't even measure ourselves. So let's take bodhicitta, the very strong determination to overcome this two-dimensionality, and to go forward and turn fear and anxiety into respect and compassion. This is how we overcome inertia. And we have to know that pressing against this inertia, it, it is a feeling of discomfort at times. But that is a very, very small price to pay to break out of this two-dimensional cell in this prison of good and evil, of birth and death, of self and other. Here comes the final confession. From the point of view of the Dharma, we are all Dharma oaks. But no matter how inept, or how many so-called mistakes we make, the movement with Bodhicitta is what gives it 
completely different way of life. This is what the path of becoming a Bodhisattva looks like. And it is my privilege to be on this path with all of you, here in person, with all of us here in the world that can be seen via Zoom. All the spirits of our ancestral teachers, of our departed Dharma friends, and Anishiwara. Thank you for spending time with the Dharma Hosts. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org slash donate. Thank you for listening.